Hey everybody, what's going on? It's your good guy here, Prince Onyx. Now before we get into this episode, or while we're in the midst of this episode, I just want to say, I know you've probably been wondering, how does he do it? Just gets up, fires up that mic, talks to us, and then disappears, comes back, does it again and again. Well, that is thanks to Spotify for Podcasters. Yes, Spotify for Podcasters is the free app, mind you, F-R-E-E, free app for you to use where you can create your own podcast. You can edit it, you can do the intros, the outros, add music, have your listeners give you responses via voice messages and all kinds of things, as well as they distribute your podcast to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and wherever else podcasts are available. So if you're ready to start something where you can also, oh, 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 before I forget, you can make money off of your podcast. Yes, you sure can. You can make money off of your podcast as well because, I mean, inflation is, you know, it's higher than a tank of gas during the Bush administration. And that's both the Bushes. So come on. The rent is not renting like it used to. The money is not moneying like it used to. So who doesn't want some extra funds to either play with or to save, you know, and store like some walnuts with the if you are a squirrel, whatever the case is, you want to create a podcast, you have a story to tell, you have some words of wisdom that you would like to share, this is the platform to do it. So go ahead and download Spotify for Podcasters and you'll be glad that you did it. Again, it is F-R-E-E free. You can edit your podcast and all that good stuff in one place, be it on your phone, your tablet, your laptop, all that okay so go ahead and do that because you know you want to you want to push your story out there just like i'm doing and now we can go ahead and get back to the show peace hello and welcome to the royal hour podcast hosted by the one and only prince onyx Join me on a daily to weekly basis with the royal court and i as we delve deep into a wide range of topics from entertainment to politics, both professional and streetwise, to personal stories of things that we've experienced, from dating troubles to family drama and even our own tea that'll get spilled, all from a Chicago perspective that at times can be viewed as worldly. You can find us on Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, and more. This is a show that you don't want to miss. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, 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 and welcome back to the Royal Hour Podcast with your good guy here, Prince Onyx. And this is a very special episode because by the time you guys hear this tomorrow, which will be February 8th, I will be 29, aka 25. Yes, I'm entering chapter 29 and I wanted to end chapter 28 um, being productive, of course, but uh, with the podcast. So, you know, just giving y'all a better episode than last week because, yeah, that episode, it was rushed, and I was just really not emotionally and mentally there, but I just wanted to give you guys something before the month of January had ended, but either way, we are back. And so with that being said, now we have a, an assortment, I should say, various topics of things to talk about in the entertainment news, as well as some things that are local here to the area of, of the Chicago land where I am residing, and so on and so forth. And because today, February 7th, uh, the Monique interview with Shannon Sharp actually just debuted, so I may mess around and come back for that, maybe like a bonus episode, or I may use that to kick off uh, season two, who knows, but yeah, this is also, speaking of season two, yes, this is the finale for season one. I know, right, like, I've been giving you all these bonus episodes, but you know, it's just, I wanted to start off season two a certain way, and you know what? I'm going to start it off the way that I want to instead of waiting around for, 
people's availability or for me to be available or for schedules to align and all of that, we are going to get into some things, shall we? So, yeah, we're going to get into some things because America... America has a problem, okay? Uh, from Hollywood to not Hollywood to just everywhere, it's it's just it's chaos, you know? But before we get into that, we're going to do a little check-in, you know, like I'd like to do and like I'm starting to implement. Um, right now, how am I doing? I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm well. I'm fine. I'm all right. Just been thinking a lot lately. Uh, coming into this year, I've really been on a heavy isolation period. And as of this past Tuesday, February 6th, uh, it makes three weeks that I've been sober. So no alcohol. Yay me. Now, granted, for my birthday weekend, I am going to turn up. But even after that, it's right back to moderation and limitation. Because I was unfortunately drinking a lot to like run away from this depression I was feeling and this depression I was trying to ignore and pretend like it didn't exist, but it was there. And no matter how much I drank, no matter how many more bottles I bought, no matter how much I was trying to numb it, numb it away, you know, it was still there. And, you know, dealing with still recovering from the heartbreak, thanks to the magician, uh, you know, again, I still got enough. It ain't even respect at this point because it's just like, dude, look, you're you're not that relevant or powerful you don't hold power the only reason why i keep calling you the magician is because that's what you are abracadabra bitch okay so you know um <laughs> but that aside that aside i just really um for me i just am still recovering from it in a way and just moving on as best i can and not letting that hold me back and continuing to be productive because uh, my main focus outside of the podcast if I can really be honest with you guys are my productions like my, my tv and film productions those so I'm really putting more focus into those but it doesn't mean the podcast is ending or anything like that no it's just you know I have to find balance because I want to make sure I feel like now like I'm trying to move forward I want to give you guys an episode if not Wednesday on Thursdays so I want to make sure that stays intact because uh, Fridays because what was it? originally it was like Fridays if not Saturdays that I started giving you guys episodes but I'm I stopped doing that and so I wanted to follow along with I hate to say follow along with everybody because I'm not a follower but it was advised to me that instead of doing Friday Saturday do it during like the week the midweek you know so here we are so, you know, recording on hump day and then it'll be with you guys on Thursday tomorrow. So, you know, hey, celebration. But yes, I just, um, man, it's been a lot, but I'm OK and I know I'm going to be OK. I think honestly, it's just me getting ready to embrace this new chapter. And as I get ready to embrace this new chapter, it's it's like this overwhelming sense of calmness. Like, hey, everything's going to be all right, because for the past couple of years, as you guys know, following my very chaotic journey thus far <laughs> it's been a lot but i feel like a major shift is coming and a shift in a good way to where better days as i always write in my journal better days ahead and those better days are about to come so i can't wait i can't wait uh try not to cry on the mic y'all because it's just you know damn man like it's just crazy how, you know, when you get to or you're about to start getting to like the peace in your life, you start to think back and reflect on like those who have, you know, those you've lost, not in a physical sense of death, but even those physical deaths, too. But those friendship deaths, those 
partnership deaths, those breakups, those, you know, the people who have been left behind because not everybody can go with you into the next chapter. And, you know, we keep saying that, but people got to really understand that, you know, whether it's your birthday or just this new season in your life or whatever, a lot of people before that new season comes, they will fall like the leaves in the fall, in the season of the fall, you know what I'm saying? And then you're in a, a metaphorical winter period, a dead winter, where you're still shedding off the weight and shedding off the friendships and all of that. And then you get to that season and you're just like, oh my God, oh my God. You're really surprised by, you know, the fact that the sun is out, that the rainbow is there, that it's no longer raining as heavily or or even, what is it, drizzling at all. Like, it's just, <laughs> you're there. You're there. You are there. So... Man, I just, um, it's a lot, y'all. Like, that that stuff just really hits me because it's like, holy crap, you know? And I'm thankful either way. I am thankful for the journey thus far because I have, I have to always look at how far I've come and be thankful for that and know that God and my ancestors have not left me. They never have. They've never abandoned me. Even when I felt like they did, they did They've always been there, the, the creator, the higher being, the source, whatever you want to refer to the being as, the creator as. They are there. They're there. They are there. You just have to believe in them and call out to them even when you feel like you're at your lowest. Because that's when, you know, you're, <laughs> you get tested a lot, you know what I'm saying? And you're staring your obstacles in the face. And you're in the face of adversity and you're just wondering, will I make it? Will I come out victorious, you know, or will I unfortunately succumb? And so many people, as I'm seeing in this spiritual warfare that we are in, so many people are unfortunately succumbing to that of their their vices, to that of their demons, to that of whatever it is within this physical plane, it should even just their traumas. You could be a slave and a prisoner to your traumas. And I've seen so many people and come across so many people who are unfortunately, you know, that they, they are in a chokehold and in, in captivity to that of their traumas. And it's not for you to fix. It's not for you to heal. All you can do is love them from a distance, nine times out of ten, and ask when you are praying for them that love and light reaches them. You know, like that's the best thing that you could really do is just acts that love and light reaches them because that, that, that's all you got, you know, that's all you got. But it's just a lot. But at the end of the day, um, at the end of the day, just know that you're going to be okay and that those who can't make it with you into the next chapter, well, hey, you know, they weren't meant to, unfortunately. But enough of that. Uh, we're going to stick. We are going to stick a pin in it for right now, and we will return after these messages. But I want to thank each and every last one of you guys for tuning in and rocking with me thus far, right here with your good guy, Prince Onyx, on the Royal Hour podcast. Like I said, we will be right back after these messages. Hey guys, what's going on? It's your good guy here, Prince Onyx. I just wanted to give you a friendly reminder once again. Please be sure to leave a five-star rating and a comment and tell a friend to tell a friend. Because when this show grows, so do you as the royal court. So I want to thank y'all again for tuning in and just give a friendly reminder to be sure that you are sharing with your friends, your family, your lovers, hell, your one-off, jump-off, whatever the case is, and let them know the royal hour is the place to be and the podcast you want to listen to. And now back to the show. Thank you.
Hey guys, and welcome back to the Royal Hour Podcast with your good guy here, Prince Onyx. So just to uh, piggyback on and double back a bit on the previous uh, part of the segment is that, you know, uh, when it comes to being in a spiritual warfare, which I feel like more and more people, little, little by little, slowly but surely are starting to see it for what it is. And that is something that I've been dealing with, as I stated, with, you know, coming across people who unfortunately have given up. And as I was telling someone the other day, uh, actually, ironically enough, this person is my birthday twin. Shout out to you. Hey, Al. Uh, born the same day, just like years apart. But hey, birthday twins. Hey, small world. So anyway, I was saying how, you know, physical death is one thing, which it is, you know. But when someone is mentally dead, spiritually dead, emotionally dead, metaphysically dead, and they're just walking around, it's like that of a zombie. And not a zombie that's trying to, like, eat brains and stuff like that. That's the Americanized European version of a zombie. If you know the African origins of a zombie and even the Caribbean origins of a zombie, it's like basically someone who is like they're, they're held captive physically in enslavement but mentally and everything else that i just listed you know mentally emotionally uh, mentally emotionally spiritually and metaphysically they're dead and they're just there they're just there wandering aimlessly for the rest of their days on this floating rock plymouth rock and they they're not themselves they have become this distorted version of themselves you know like a alter ego if you will or like something out of the upside down and it's so many people who i've come across that like i said trying not to get emotional it's just i've come across so many people who you know the little bit of humanity that's still in them is overshadowed by the the majority of them that is becoming dead And it's like, basically, you see that little bit of light in them and you want to help them to protect that light. You want to help them to nourish that light so that it shines just as bright as yours. But then you realize the reason why that, that little beam, that little glimmer of light is not able to shine is because it's shrouded in darkness that you cannot touch in the sense of trying to fix it or heal it. You can just send prayers and love them from a distance. And so just thinking about those people who I've come in contact with and, you know, how things turned out between us, it's unfortunate. And who knows, maybe in the next lifetime, they will be different. Who knows? But for those like myself who are on the battlefield of this spiritual warfare, we cannot let that distract us from the objective and what is truly at stake because those people have already they've already made their beds and they are laying in them proudly and some regrettably but again it's not your responsibility so yeah and also just a little bit of a correction this is more so a season i would say bonus season 
wrap up for season one because i want to say i gave you guys the season one finale a while ago brian a while okay so this is more so a wrap up on the season one bonus episodes but yeah season two if i don't decide to kick it off you know like i said record another episode and come back to you guys tomorrow or friday which couldn't be friday because again i'm trying to not release stuff on friday it'll most likely be the following week uh but so that way i can have time to really digest uh monique's interview with shannon sharp you know because i may have to rewind i may have to watch it more than once just like a lot of people with a cat williams interview they had to watch it more than once before really delving deep into it because you know when you interview somebody like a cat williams or monique a sidebar as we pivot into lighter things you got to really watch those interviews more than once because the amount of gems that they drop and the digs that they be taking at folks will go over your head at first because the first interview is like, oh, my God. Now, mind you, he premiered the interview with Monique, and I don't think he he didn't premiere the one with Cat Williams. They just dropped it. But he premiered the one live on uh, on his YouTube because they are on his YouTube channel because they had already recorded it. So he had premiered it. So people were probably in the comment sections of the of the chat thinking that they were like responding back to Shannon Sharp. He probably was, you know, uh, you know. So, you know, it's just um, yeah, I just. Yeah, I'm going to have to rewatch that a few times and then come back to you guys. But speaking of Hollywood things, let's go ahead and dive in. OK, oh, Jesus, that was more horrible than Trey songs. Anyway, <laughs> so we speaking of Hollywood stuff. So we're going to talk about something that came out. Uh, yeah, literally at the top of the month. And this is it started Black History Month. Am I right? And this is coming from Issa Rae herself. So this is an article from Time magazine, uh, more so time.com. And it is titled Issa Rae and Hollywood's Unkept Promises by Andrew R. Crow. No, Chow. There we go. Issa Rae's office in South Los Angeles overflows with trinkets from her many successes. Awards parched on, perched on virtually every surface. Three boxes of President Barbie dolls, her character from last year's biggest blockbuster, sits high on a shelf. Well, they sit more like because it's three of them. There are purple roses, bottles of LeBron James's Lebeau's 1707 tequila, a company that uh, Issa Rae invests in, and custom pillows from Insecure, her hit HBO series that ran for five seasons. Was Zeitgeist capturing seasons? Okay, I know that's right. Give her her flowers. (laughs) But at the moment, the item that Rae is most excited about is her brand new moleskin moleskin notebook ray buys a new notebook every year and fills it with personal reflections creative ideas and tasks to complete for her many businesses okay damn i see like nice sidebar because i'm this is my first time reading the article (laughs) y'all so it's like we're doing this together Uh, i do that too though damn that is interesting like every year like this year especially i've bought so many notebooks baby when i tell you Oh, bitches better get ready to get sick of me. Anyway, last fall, her 2023 journal started getting so full, she wrote in smaller and smaller fonts to preserve space. Girl, see, nah, I probably don't be, I don't really be doing that, girl. I'm going to run to Staples. I will run to Office Depot. I will run to Office Max. Uh, what I already said, Staples. I'll run to Walgreens. But really, Staples and Office Max and Office Depot and Amazon, if I really got to, that's those really be clutch at least the first three because amazon and i mean last resort even i did get like three notebooks off of this so let me stop fronting but like office max office depot staples girl clutch okay anyway 
And I quote, going back to the article, I love Mondays, and the first of the year is like a super Monday for me, she says. To be able to open a journal was very exciting in the nerdiest way possible. Issa Rae, age 39, is especially determined to turn the page because last year was not fun at all, quote-unquote, she admits. In public, she was absolutely crushing it. She won a Peabody Trailblazer Award, stole scenes in two of the year's most hyped films, Barbie and American Fiction, and released the second season of her critically acclaimed Max show, HBO Max show, Rap Shit. But as the tagline for season three of Insecure read, glowing up is ain't easy. And in her quest to become a media mogul on the level of Oprah or Debbie Allen, Issa Rae has faced growing pains. She had to lay off eight employees during the WGA and the SAG after strikes, navigate a labyrinth of California business laws, and watch as her projects got sidelined or canceled. In January, Rapshit was axed by Warner, Brother, Warner Bros. Discovery. Perhaps worst of all, Issa Rae says she witnessed Hollywood backsliding on pledges to increase representation and diversity. On quote, I've never seen, I've never seen Hollywood this scared and clueless and at the mercy of Wall Street, end quote, she says. In the face of these roadblocks, Issa Rae is hatching a slew of plans for a better 2024. She's developing at least two new projects for HBO, including, she tells Time exclusively, a project set in an alternative present, quote-unquote, which will be the first show since Insecure that she will create, write, and star in, and a comedy set in corporate America, created in partnership with Deola Riddle and Bashir Salunda, Salahandan. I'm praying I said their names correctly, probably didn't. Look, it's me even, first of all. Sidebar, because somebody's going to try to come for me. At least I tried. Most people wouldn't even bother to try. At least I tried. We all make mistakes. Anyway. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. But, oh, what? Hey. Okay, so she's working with the people. My bad. I just, because I'm reading the article again, y'all, and I just, (sighs) anyway, so. Oh, she, so I know who that is then. Bashir Salahandan. Yeah, I know who that is, because that is, going back to the article. The creators of the show's Southside, A, and Sherman's Showcase. She's also working to build a studio campus in South L.A. Ray has long made it her priority to create pipelines for people of color, but as she scales upward, she's learning more and more about how to balance her personal entrepreneurial priorities with a larger fight for equity. I recognize that I have to do well economically to be able to make change, she says. That's frustrating. That's ugly. But I recognize that money moves things faster. And And so much of what I do is with the intention to help those moves. Issa Rae's rise is hailed as one of the prime DIY success stories in the digital era. In college, Ray began making a YouTube uh, web series, Dorm Diaries, with a camcorder borrowed from the Stanford Library. She raised money for a subsequent web series, The Misadventures of Awkward Black Girl, on Kickstarter, and praise for the show's humor and relatability spread. A deal with HBO for Insecure, her show about black millennials navigating life and love in L.A., followed. Ray's ambitions have always stretched beyond TV writing into entrepreneurship. As a child, she wore out her her VHS tapes 
of the film Twins and was particularly absorbed by scenes in which Danny DeVito's character stomps around with a briefcase concocting schemes. <laughs> it was nefarious, but there were something there was something imprinted in my mind that I wanted, she says. These days, Ray's growing portfolio includes a production company, Who Ray, an indie music label, Ray Dio, a management company, Color Creative, a marketing agency, Fiat, a Prosesco a line, Via Ray, a hair care brand, Sina Naturals, and a stake in the U.S. Cell GP team. About a mile and a half from her Hooray offices sits in, sits the Inglewood branch of Hilltop Coffee, a coffee shop that Ray co-owns. It's about an eight-minute drive from the house she grew up in. Ray is certainly doing well for herself. In 2021, she signed a deal with Warner Media, reported to be eight figures. But many of her enterprises are specifically geared towards creating opportunities for her community. Ray used Insecure as a breeding ground for black talent, allowing writers, musicians, actors, producers, and others to cut their teeth on a primetime HBO show. Her other businesses function similarly. She gives protégés titles and helps them grow into, their, into those roles. If she can't do stuff to bring other people with her, she's not going to do it, says Montreal McKay, Hooray's president for development and production. Ray's creative, entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial, and equity-driven goals coincide co well, co with Rap Shit, her follow-up to Insecure. While Hollywood executives always prefer shows led by big names, Ray put her, put her trust in a first-time showrunner, Sarita Singleton, and early-stage TV director, Sade Clacken-Joseph, to helm the pilot and the two relatively non-famous leads, Adia Osaman and Chameleon. She then set her many businesses to work on various aspects of the series. Hooray developed the show, Radio handled the music, the music supervision, Fiat cut deals for product placement. That's an ideal model where we activate every single vertical, she says. But Rap Shit received nearly the amount of didn't receive nearly the amount of online buzz that Insecure did, and in January was canceled after two seasons by its parent company, Warner Bros. Discovery, which, like many other media conglomerates, has been hell bent on cutting costs. The model you the model used to be everyone chasing Netflix and buying as much as you can through programming, says McKay. And then when Netflix had that earnings report in early 2022 and didn't show the same growth, everything kind of grounded to a halt. We want to do opportunity creation for people, but we can't do it the same because the money's just not flowing in the same way. I'm pretty sure most of you are familiar with the line from the notorious B.I.G., black and ugly as ever, however... So I'm here to tell you about Black and Ugly, a clothing line where the phrase itself is an oxymoron and it is not everything that you think. Rather, it's everything you think it's not. Here at Black and Ugly, you are going to find unique pieces of clothing from hats to hoodies to sweatpants to camouflage pants to backpacks to little pins that you can put on your backpack as well as your clothing down to jackets, hockey shirts, so on and so forth. And mind you, this is not your typical average wear. No, this is wearable art created by a black woman for for the people by the people. This is like FUBU 2.0. 
black and ugly. It's everything that you think it's not. Be sure to head on over there and let them know that the Royal Hour, Prince Onyx, sent you. Ow. And welcome back with your good guy here, Prince Onyx, and this is the Royal Hour Podcast. So picking up where we left off with the article from Time uh, featuring Issa Rae. So I'm going to, like they would do back in school, I'm going to start back from the last paragraph and, excuse me, bring it on home. But rap shit didn't receive nearly the amount of online buzz that Insecure did, and in January was canceled after two seasons by its parent company, Warner Bros. Discovery, which, like many other media conglomerates, has been hell-bent on cutting costs. The model used to be everyone chasing Netflix and buying as much as you can through programming, says McKay. And then when Netflix had that earnings report in early 2022 and didn't show the same growth, everything kind of grounded to a halt. We want to do opportunity creation for 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 people, but we can't do it the same way because the money's not flowing in the same way. A historic double strike sent the industry into further disarray. In the end, Ray was grateful for the victories the guilds secured. But there was the frustration of, oh my gosh, this project that I've been working on for five years just disappeared, she says. Hooray is no longer involved with the adaptation of the New York Times podcast, Nice White Parents, or Britt Brenton's best-selling novel, The Vanishing Hour. Hooray developed the... developed. Trace sent a series, a wrestling series with Dwayne The Rock Johnson, but HBO passed on it, McKay says. Warner Media also canceled Sweet Life Los Angeles, a reality TV show Ray produced after just two seasons. Ray believes there's no way rap shit with its cultural specific lens, local bent, and unabashed rat raunchiness would have been greenlit by Warner Media today. As all executives seem to want, she says, is safe, quote-unquote, universal stories. Its cancellation, just one example, its cancellation is just one example of what Ray sees as a larger withering of promises Hollywood executives made in 2020 toward increasing diversity and representation, both on and off screen. There is a bitterness of just like, who suffers when you guys pulling back from you guys pulling back? People of color always do, she says. A UCLA diversity report found that in 2022, racial, ethnic and gender diversity among movie actors, directors and writers for theoretical releases slid back to 2019 levels after trending upwards for three years. People of color accounted for only 22 percent of lead actors 17% of, of directors, and 12% of writers. A report from USC Annenberg's Inclusion Initiative in January called the entertainment industry's previous pledges to support inclusion, quote-unquote, performative, which, sidebar, they definitely were. Ray does not mince words when it comes to the current leaders of Hollywood. I'm sorry, but there aren't a lot of smart executives anymore, she says. And a lot of them have aged out and are holding on to their positions and refusing to let young blood get in. In prior eras, Ray says the money making suits mostly stayed away from the creative choices. Now, these conglomerate leaders are also making the decisions about Hollywood. Y'all aren't creative people. Stick to the money, 
she says. The people that are taking chances are on platforms like TikTok. That's what's getting the eyeballs of the youth. So you're killing your own industry. In an email to Time, HBO executives signaled their ongoing support of Ray. We've established a creative shorthand over the years with every new project. We pick up right where we left off. There's a flow to it that inspires me, wrote Amy Gravitt, executive VP for HBO Programming. We look forward to what genres Issa and Hooray will take on next, added Casey Beloids, chairman and CEO of HBO and Max Content. Ray says she feels secure in her relationship with HBO at the moment. Nonetheless, she says industry changes have forced her to reevaluate the feasibility of smaller, quieter projects. When, we, when you have all of these streaming services that are competing with each other, it means they're also moving the goalposts of what success looks like and what their brand is. It's all mush, she says. I know what my brand identity is and I want to make and what I want to make. But if that doesn't align with who's paying me to make stuff, then that's complex. We are malleable, but only to an extent. In the new film, American Fiction, which received five Oscar nominations, including Best Picture, Ray plays his name. Satrina, yes, no, Centera, yes, Centera, Centera Golden, a commercially successful, commercially successful author who the film's protagonist, Monk, believes to be a hack pandering to white audiences. In a confrontation between them, the character Golden tells Monk she's simply being pragmatic about her creative and professional choices. I'm okay with giving the market what it wants, she says. Which, by the way, sidebar, that scene in the movie. That shit, like that whole film hit me because I identify with Monk's character more because when you know that, and this is, it's a tangent because I really wanted to save it until I read the rest of this article and we're going to get to it. We are. We're going to finish it out and I'm going to double back to this. But like when, you know, they had that confrontation between each other and she said that, it's just like, that's the fucking problem. Then you know, her character, not Issa Rae, but the character that she was playing is because in real life, there are artists like that. There are authors, musicians, songwriters, producers, film, pro music producers, film producers, people who are willing to give the market what they want, which is nine times out of ten shit. When it comes to us. When it comes to us, it's okay to be lackluster. When it comes to us, it's okay to have shit that don't make sense. That's why we got the shit that we got on fucking Tubi. Now, granted, there are projects on Tubi that I support and that I stand for, you know, and I honestly wish I could work with those creatives because I could really help out so much with, like, angles and all types of other stuff. But anyway, you know, it, it's just like, you know, the shit that's on there, though, that people make go viral and talk about on Twitter and Facebook, it's just like, yo, it makes it hard for when you got real projects because there are actors who I know whose projects are on Tubi. And I know for a fact... Ooh, sorry about that, y'all. Damn fucking phone. I forgot to mute it. Anyway, um, when there are, you know, real artists... Goddamn, child. That shit loud as hell in y'all ears, too. I just thought about it. My bad. I just turned that bitch on vibrate, child. I turned it back on afterwards. Oof, shit just threw me off. Anyway, but there are actors who I know whose projects are on Tubi. And again, I support them. And I'm also wondering, because I never, like, asked them, like, hey, what are the reactions when you tell folks where to, where they can watch your film? Because I'm pretty sure if I did, and you know what? I need to actually ask them. 
it, the answer will probably be the same that people crack their jokes or whatever but i bet you nine times out of ten they probably still watch it for those who really support them and those who don't and just crack their jokes like oh you're you know your little job your little business your little da 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 you know what i'm saying because people love doing that shit right and it's just like uh, i i just i i hate it i hate the fact that there are people like that in real life like that character uh satana satara uh, from the movie American Fiction. There are people like that in real life, yo, who are willing to give the market what it wants. And it's just like, yo, that's what's holding us back. And now, because here's what people got to realize. After the, the upheaval, after the pandemic, the George Floyd, you know, the uprisings, the riots, as they you know like to call them, that, you know, Hollywood and everybody white was like, oh, okay, we're going to increase diversity and inclusion and we're going to include you guys and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, right? So now, fast forward to 2023, oh, bitch, they was throwing that axe around like a dick doing a helicopter trick. <laughs> okay, foof, foof, foof. They were just throwing that shit. That axe was hitting every every black project left and right. The, the ones that are left, thank God, but I bet y'all five motherfucking dollars, five American dollars, that come the end of 2024, we're going to see another wave of cancellations. You know how it was fucked up, how projects that were complete, networks had, you know, ordered them to series, they shot the pilot, they shot the whole fucking season, and now we will never get to see them, or if we do, we got to wait, but then by then, it's already out of people's peripheral, you know, vision and out of the lexicon and it's falling out of, you know, vision. So these projects are probably doing the festival circuits, hoping to find a, a network, a streaming service, someone who will pick them up and not cancel them. Who will not pick them? Who who will pick them up and not cancel them? Because there's no way that rap shit should have got canceled after two seasons. And there are people who were wondering, well, you know, what Issa, why is she producing two more projects for them? Baby, do y'all not read? Do you bitches not read? Y'all clearly don't, but y'all got so much to say on Twitter, right? You, Girl, fuck y'all. Anyway, because you bitches don't fucking read. All you do is sit on fucking Twitter trying to be all self-righteous and shit. And it's just like, shut the fuck up and go read an article, goddammit. She has a deal, an overall look, first look deal with them. So these probably are going to be the last two projects she develops for them. And then that's it. And then she will go elsewhere. But what she's seeing and all the other black creators in Hollywood, in Hollywood, Hollywood, whatever, are seeing is that, baby, they don't give a fuck about y'all neither. They don't give a fuck about none of us. They was playing us the whole fucking time. I mean, I knew it, and others, we knew it. We were just waiting on the other fucking shoe to drop. And boom, the other shoe dropped. And the strike essentially fucking helped. Now, I'm not saying that people should not have gone on strike because they deserve to be treated way better than they were. But even the deal that was created is still fucking actors over. They can still replace your ass with AI. They can still get rid of you and treat you like shit. Because that's what they've been trying to do to you all in the entertainment industry as well as to the average fucking American. They want to replace us. They want everybody to just sit in their fucking houses and not doing shit and let these robots just do everything. But then again, you got to think about it like this because how is it that UPS, they just, after they gave the, the workers what the fuck they wanted, they recently just fired, as of what was this, like last week, 12,000 jobs? 12,000 people just out of a job from UPS. Bitch, are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? 12,000 jobs lost like that. Are you kidding me? The fuck is going on around here? America, America has a problem. Yes, bitch, and that's that America is broke. It's giving broke. 
as well as it's giving coke, but that's another conversation. But it's giving baroque. I just, whew. <sighs> just had to, I, I had to get that out. But anyway, we are going to return to the article because, bitch, what? Anyway, um, uh, so picking back up where <laughs> we left off. God damn, y'all. I'm sorry, but God damn it. Like, thank y'all for listening because I, I speak from a place of passion because when you see these things, it's just like, yo, they don't give a fuck. If these motherfuckers in the industry can keep not giving Beyonce album of the year, they purposefully never want to give her album of the year. They will give her every other record, every other award rather, but they will never give her award, uh, album of the year because they know the moment they do, God damn it, that, that, that curse that they essentially done did. Because once Lauryn Hill won it in the 90s, they was like, oh girl, we ain't never going to get not another one of these nigga bitches album of the year again. How dare they be better than our white queens? The same white queens who ain't had no fucking growth in their music since, well, shit, since ever. Because these bitches are allowed to be plain Janes. But then you have these extraordinary, talented, you know, beyond measure women like a Beyonce who can't even fucking get album of the year. Not for self-titled, not for Lemonade, not for, wait, was Black as King ever nominated? I'm not sure if it was, y'all can correct me. But not for self-titled, not for Lemonade, and not for fucking Renaissance Act 1. So we already know Acts 2 and 3 just, you know fuck them right acts two and three just you know oh girl you know it's cute but you know no award for you no 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 album of the year for you no album of the year for you but we'll give you every fucking thing else and because a rumor has it and i do have a feeling that it might the act two low-key might be i feel like it's gonna be a country rock album like she's gonna bring both those genres together even though i really really would want more house music like can we please just get like a deluxe of the tracks that didn't make act, act one please i want more house music more dance music please i want more disco take me back to the disco i know we stepped into the ballroom and now we're possibly stepping into country but please give me more house beyonce please anyway um make it happen yvette i know you're probably listening but anyway um <laughs> i'm hilarious i know anyway but, you know, they'll never award her album of the year, you know, and it's just fucking crazy that that's that this industry is just like, you know, they just play in everybody's fucking face. They play in everybody's fucking face. And the fact that Jay-Z called it out without saying his wife's name, but everybody knew who the fuck he was talking about in that room. Everybody fucking knew. Everybody fucking knew. And then for the black women who congratulations to each and every last one of them who won their awards. But for the ones who they won their awards, including Victoria Monet, they won their awards at the fucking pre-show so it wasn't on camera now granted victoria did win best new artist and that was at the actual awards and that's well fucking deserved because she's been in the industry for how long all right all right okay and oh, she needs to shoot a visual for all right which victoria please holler at me okay yes i'm sending all my smoke signals out if y'all can't tell anyway child prince onyx needs to be in a lot of these rooms okay but anyway it's just like you know these motherfuckers will play in your motherfucking face. Like, they use us for views, for ratings, and all of that shit to get people, to get us, the blacks, to watch. Meanwhile, Beyonce and Jay, they showed up to the Grammys late on purpose. And it's most likely because it's like, well, one, Beyonce wasn't doing the Tina uh, Turner tribute. But two, we she wasn't in the category for album of the year. But the fact that Janelle Monae and SZA didn't walk home with that, that's foul. I mean, SZA, again, she won, great, but it's like, really? Really? 
Fucking really? Age of Pleasure and SOS didn't win, but fucking Midnight's did? You know what? F fuck y'all. Anyway, uh, I just, oof. As y'all can tell, the article's bringing up a lot for me. But I love y'all. I love us for real. Shout out to Monique, okay? I can't wait to watch the interview. Shout out. Might have to watch that shit off of Edible. Or with a nice little glass of whiskey. Anyway, going back to the article, y'all. So, Ray's own attitude is more... Well, I feel like I should take us back just a little bit. So, I'm going to do what, again, do what they do in class like we used to. <clears throat> in the new movie, American Fiction, which received five Oscar nominations, including Best Picture, Ray plays Sintera... Ah, that fucking name. But I believe I'm saying it right. Sintera Golden, a commercially successful author who the film's protagonist, Monk, believes to be a hack pandering to white audiences. In a confrontation between them, Golden tells Monk she's simply being pragmatic about her creative and professional choices. I'm okay with giving the market what it wants, she says. Ray's own attitude is more nuanced. She understands the reach that movies like Barbie and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse have and the impact that she herself can have by appearing in them. On the Golden Globes red carpet, a moment in which two young black girls excitedly recognized her as President Barbie went viral. It took me a while to understand that when they see me, they see this version of Barbie that they aspire to be, Ray says. Ray says when I meet her a few days later, she's still wearing the friendship bracelet they gave her. But Ray has no aspirations of helming her own blockbuster franchise. I'm just, excite I'm just excited to create and see what I can do in this space where everything is asking for those big IP-driven things, she says. And while she's operating in a tough environment, she's used to navigating around rejection and discouragement. When she was pitching earlier in her career, executives told her there wouldn't be an audience for a show about awkward black women. One even advised her against centering a character with darker skin. I know what drives me, and I know what brought me in. And I remember when they were telling me that they didn't want to make my types of stories, she says. So I'm still optimistic in that way. As Ray fights for representation on a national level, she is pouring resources into the betterment of her own neighborhood. She has invested heavily in the development of South L.A., which has been harmed by discriminatory policies like redlining and underfunding. When Ray featured local businesses on Insecure, they saw a jump in customers, which was soon known as the ESA effect. In 2019, Ray chose to house Ray's office just outside of Inglewood, a sparkling depiction of Nipsey Hussle, the rapper who was a local hero and was killed that year. Hangs, downsta hangs downstairs as a constant reminder of the company's mission to uplift the surrounding community. This year, Ray hopes to compound, to compound those efforts by building an entire campus for both local filmmakers and major studios. I know that's right, Issa. Get to the fucking bag. Show these niggas what, where, to, where to invest. Anyway, um, <laughs> for real, that shit right there, baby, please. Okay, that's the type of shit I'm going to do in Chicago. Okay, bitches ain't seen shit yet. Please, motherfuckers, ain't stop. Please, motherfuckers. Anyway, uh, I hope y'all stream Renaissance. <laughs> While South LA is a cultural mecca, Think gangster rap, the black arts movement, boys in the hood, love and basketball. It lacks film and TV infrastructure. Ray believes a production studio could serve as an economic engine for the neighborhood, providing union jobs while also sparking the interest of tourists. 
At the same time, Ray is all too cognizant of her role in the neighborhood's gentrification and is working through how to improve the lives of the people in the neighborhood without displacing its residents. And see, before we finish, ooh, because that's where we're getting close to the end of the article. That right there, she understands because there will be these, again, these self-righteous bitches on Twitter who will be like, oh, you know, I they can list everything that a motherfucker doing wrong, but can't acknowledge the nuance of, of a person like Issa Rae in this case where she's realizing that, okay, yo, yes, I'm a celebrity. I have a lot of money, you know, this, that, and the third. Her being, her just being there alone, I'm pretty sure folks' rent has gone up. The hooray offices being in, in South LA, pretty sure shit has gone up. People have been struggling, but don't think that she doesn't care. It's just a matter of like, yo, you got to, I don't want to call it play the game or playing the system. You got to understand your role. And when you're so cognizant of it, you're like, holy fuck. Okay. How can I then you're looking for a way actively to be like, yo, let me help these people without getting, without replacing, replacing, shit, replacing and displacing them. People, you know, we're talking families, generations who've been living there, people who've been living there for generations type shit. You know what I'm saying? So shout out to her for trying to improve and figure out, okay, how can we avoid being another another wound of gentrification? You know what I'm saying? How can we? So that just goes to show that she's about the she's about it for the people. Sometimes the revolution and being a revolutionary looks different. As, as somebody said years ago, and I love this phrase, you can't be woke and broke. Can't be woke and broke. Even though a lot of these woke motherfuckers is broke, but girl, and that's them bro-tep, no-tep, ho-tep, fake, phony-ass ho-tep niggas out here. You can't be woke and broke. Because again, money gives you gives us access and it gives us power. And if you're put, if the money and stuff is put in the right person's hands who really means well, they can do some shit that can help everybody versus moving them up out the fucking place, you know? So shout out to you, Issa Rae, for real, for real. Anyway, uh, back to the article. Malik Doop, Hooray's chief financial officer and Ray's older brother, says an early bid for a piece of city-owned land for the studio was unsuccessful. But Ray is adamant that an acquisition will happen soon. We have the investors. It's just about locking in on that land. Ray says, when I tell you we're ready, we're ready. She comes this far in developing the studio, but she, but also in building her empire. And she's not about to back down now. I have my little stake in this limited plot of land, and I'm going to make sure that I bring in as many people to live on it as possible, she says. So until we run out of opportunities, they'll be good. And that is the end of that article. Now, I feel like there was another there was another article I had pulled up um, involving Issa Rae. And this is from Essence. Uh, but I feel like here, let me see, because I ooh, Essence, can you get this ad out of my face? Thank you. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Mm. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, this is it's kind of mirror, mirroring the same thing as the previous article. So I don't want to, like, make a, a habit of repeating myself. So my thoughts are, you know, again, shout out to Issa Rae for just being authentic and real because she recognizes she recognizes you know her her place and and her her purpose you know what i'm saying she recognizes her purpose and you know what she's saying is real because again it's like in a while y'all shit is about to start looking like how it did prior to like prior to shows like because i noticed the change when we when empire was on empire blackish uh, how to get away with murder and Jesus Christ. What was the other one, y'all? Come on, come on. Scandal were on. That's when we started to see 
more of us again. You know, Claws with Niecy Nash, which, okay, sidebar, because I, I, this is on my heart. This is, I'm serious. This is on my heart. I would like to take this time out, even though I'm pretty sure she don't even know that this podcast exists. But, you know, as my star rises and I get more attention on me, uh, that episode where I was reading her down and going the fuck off, um, it's probably going to, it's going to hurt. It is. I want to take this time to sincerely apologize for when I was going off on Nisi Nash for the her involvement in the Dahmer series. I know that it's not like she just did it for the money. She did it because she wanted to, you know, take on more serious roles. And I applaud her for that. I just because of that series, because that happened in real life, there are people who are no longer here because of that man. And though she plays the neighbor who, you know, always suspected something and tried to help uh, she tried to like her and her niece and her sister, her daughter. They tried to help that. Um, well, not her niece then. So it was where her daughter, her and her family. They tried to help that little Filipino boy, but it was too late. She, they kept telling the cops. They kept talking to them, and nobody believed them. Uh, but because I also personally know people who some of his victims were their family members. So the series when it came out and everybody was making a big hoopla over it, it it hit me in a very soft spot. However, I want to apologize uh, for what I said because, you know, hey, at the end of the day, it just um, at the end of the day, I I just I was just really feeling it. Yo, I, there's no excuse. There's no excuse. I just really was feeling it because it was like, damn, like, you know, I, I just hate to see that series. And the fact that it's still on, it's just like that shit. I hate it because I'm going to be honest with y'all because of that series. I literally have been like. I barely watch true crime nowadays. Like, even if I do watch true crime, baby, I got to be bored out of my motherfucking mind at this point because that shit, that shit made me really be like, yo, whenever we're watching and listening to these true crime shows and podcasts, this shit is about real people. This ain't some fictional shit that, you know, you know what I'm saying? This ain't, um, you know, shit that just, oh, they just making this up about, oh, yeah, so-and-so put this person in the freezer and then this, that, and then, no, 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 that was real. But again, I want to apologize for going off and berating her and dragging her. It was unnecessary. And I definitely could have channeled my emotions better that day. It was just so much going on at the time. And she didn't deserve that. And I also want to say congrats to her for even though she won. She won the award at what was it? The Emmys or the Golden Globes, wherever she had won, whichever award show it was before the uh, Grammys where she had won. And I loved her speech because when you thank yourself that right there is powerful because only you know what you had to go through in this industry or just in life in order to get to where you in order to get to where you where where you are you know so congratulations to Nisi Nash and I sincerely sincerely I'm apologizing because yeah I just I it was uncalled for. So I just wanted to take a moment to just really get that out because it was weighing on my heart. And I was like, you know what? When I fire this microphone back up, I'm making sure I do. That's my first order of business. Like dead ass. I was like, yo, this is your first order of business is to make sure somewhere in the episode that you drop that damn apology in there. Because Jesus Christ, y'all, when I every time I think about that episode, my God, today was I on a fucking roll. And it's just, you know, again, I wish that the series didn't exist. I wish that there was honestly another project for her to do that, you know, she could have also won the award for. But hey, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, you know, can't reverse the hands of time. I mean, I can. I could literally edit it out that episode. But it's like, girl, the episode already premiered. It's already on the airwaves. People have heard it. People will hear it. 
And, and you know, and because of how the way the internet works, somebody going to end up screen recording the shit and blast, trying to put me on blast. But it's like, look, I'm here right now with this episode that is going to drop February 8th, 2024, to tell y'all I am sorry. To directly, over on this microphone, to say to Miss Niecy Nash, I am sorry. You did not deserve that. I hope that you can forgive me and that we can even work together. Um because I've watched her growing up in like various shows and movies and she's always been just a great actress to me, you know? It's just that role in that project really was triggering and it it was a lot. So I really am sorry, seriously, because Jesus Christ. Because, you know, for me to defend black women as much as I do, I failed in that instance because I could have handled that situation better. It was just, again, seeing all the, especially the black gay men who were like fawning over Dahmer, talking about, oh, he could have had them. They would have been his next victim. Yeah, you bitches would have been on his lunch menu next. But it's like people making jokes and even folks dressing up as him and just all to, niggas too dressing up as him. And then when they get met with backlash, they want to go off on everybody. And it's just like the cognitive dissonance. Like niggas is, ugh, girl, niggas. Okay. But anyway, y'all. <laughs> On that note, let me take a break because I need to breathe. I need a breather. Let me take a break and I will come back to you all with my thoughts on this article pertaining to Issa Rae. And thank you all again for not only listening, but tuning in and supporting me. You're a good guy here on the Royal Hour podcast. We will be right back after these messages. Hey, what's up, everybody? Just wanted to remind you again and thank you all for tuning in to the Royal Hour podcast with your good guy here, Prince Onyx. Please be sure to leave a five star rating and comments and feedback. I love that. But also, more importantly, it helps with pushing me and the show and my royal court, you all and my lovely guests who I have on here from time to time through the algorithm. Doing that helps all of us win in the grand scheme of things. So again, thank you for tuning in and be sure to leave a rating and tell a friend to tell a friend and leave a comment. We at the Royal Hour Podcast love you guys for that and we thank you and appreciate you all tremendously. Thank you. Alrighty, and let's get back to the show. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome back to the Royal Hour Podcast with your good guy here, Prince Onyx. Now, yes, this episode was supposed to come out February 8th, my birthday. It will have to come out on the 9th. My apologies for the delay because, I mean, right now as I'm recording, it's like 9 o'clock. There's no way I'm about to drop this episode at like 10 o'clock and think that people are going to be able to, t- are going to tune into it right now, right now. Who do I think I am? Beyonce? Come on now. <laughs> you know, I'm not at that level yet where you can just drop surprise episodes, you know. So I'm going to drop it tomorrow on Friday, February 9th, when you guys are hearing this. Uh, but yeah, it's just, you know, things basically long story short, cause I don't hold back as you guys know, I got home last night and I was just like, you know what, let me just shower and soak and then just went to sleep and then boom, you know, woke up, had brunch with my mother today, which was wonderful. And before I had came to work, um, and yeah, been here ever since. And yeah, that's it. I'm just waiting for the weekend, you know, look out weekend cause here I come weekends are made for fun at least i'm hope i I believe i did quote kid sister writing that song look out weekend because here i come our our weekends are made for fun it's that second part i feel like that that second verse i'm messing up but whatever y'all know anyway (laughs) so 
you know, getting ready for the weekend. But wanted to, you know, go ahead and wrap the episode up for now. Like I said, anything that I've missed will definitely be addressed in the following episode. You know, so hey, because by then I would have, of course, like I told y'all, watched the Shannon Sharp and Monique um, interview. That way it's like, you know, we can really dive deep and dissect that and, you know, really discuss that because, man, it is definitely taking off. And as of today, she announced that she is actually going on tour with Cat Williams. When I tell you ticket sales are about to skyrocket, crazy. Ticket sales are about to skyrocket and it's just, it just goes to show, you know, when you're ousted, when you're the underdog, you know what I'm saying? All it takes is you to pair up with somebody else who the industry don't really like to fuck with either, you know, because when you're not controllable, they they oust you because they feel like, oh, you're breaking code and why can't we control you? Da, 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 da. Bitch, because I don't allow you to control me. And that's what they hate about people like Monique and Cat Williams and someone like Azealia Banks. And even though, yes, she has her stuff to her. We all do. The fuck? Uh, because when I really think about it, too, just to pivot a little bit, y'all know y'all love these tangents. Is that like when it came when it came to Azealia Banks, I as I look back and reflect on what was going on when she came out and how you know, quote unquote controversial she was being, which was it controversial? Like, not really. Like she scolded Perez Hilton and called him, called him, you know, a pig, you know, called him the F word. And it unfortunately cost her her deal with Mac Cosmetics, which would have been lucrative for her. But, you know, she just, hey, I feel like her team and the people around her just could have, they could have better, you know, been mature with the situation instead of like, you know, like just waving their finger in her face and be like, oh, no, you're a bad girl. You're a bad girl type shit. Because I feel like that's what it was. A lot of that. Oh, you're a bad kid type shit. You know what I'm saying? Oh, put the baby in the corner and just ignore and ignore them. You know, that type shit. And so it's just like I feel like situations like that could have been handled better. I feel as though. um, Yeah, man, I just feel as though so many things could have been handled better. And I noticed how a lot of publications, especially white publications, were really adamant about pushing this narrative and therefore bringing this word into the lexicon of problematic, you know, because it's like, okay, it's easy to label somebody problematic, but it, it got to the point where no one wanted to give her grace. A broken clock is right twice a day. And with that, I will say that, yes, there are times where she goes off the wagon and it's like, okay, girl, I can't defend that. I can't defend that. I won't defend that. But then when she is talking that shit and it's like, yo, she's making fucking sense. Everybody just wanted to, you know, ignore it. But it's also because she was going up against these systems within the white patriarch, the European patriarchal system, and especially within the white, you know, the European Anglo-Saxon homosexual patriarchal, misogynistic, massage noir uh, system, where it's just like, oh, well, you're going up against them and da 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 da. And it's like, look, I just wish people would have had her back more. I really wish people would have had her back more. You know, it's funny how everybody loved that interview on Hot 97, which she was actually supposed to go to the Breakfast Club that same day, but she, uh, or the day after rather, but she wasn't feeling well. Uh, but that interview where people still use those little clips from there uh, as memes and stuff like that, like the, um, when she was breaking down and crying, when she was, you know, visibly upset about the fact that it's like, as a black artist and more so as a black woman, you are forced in this industry at times to share, you got to share your culture. And one thing that black women have always done is protect the culture. 
protect black men, protect black children, protect each other. You know what I'm saying? And it's just, it's unfortunate that, it's just unfortunate that people didn't have her, her back. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, she had the cosigns here and there, but who really could have been there to stand up for her? Like, I wish that, you know, Rock Nation would have stepped in or somebody, you know what I'm saying, would have been like, yo, I got her back. Somebody who is at the top, top tippity top enough to where it's like, okay, if you got her back, other people will either get in line and or back up. You know what I'm saying? Or both. But she will be protected. You see what I'm saying? Because let's be honest, when it came to that era where you had Azealia Banks, you had Angel Hayes, you had, unfortunately, you know, we had Iggy, who was really a white man's version of both Azealia Banks and Nicki Minaj. Let's really wake that up. Azealia, out of all of out of them three and all the other rap girls who were uh, coming out around that era, Azealia Banks is the closest to being a contemporary to that of Nicki Minaj at that time. Not a replacement, not necessarily competition, but just a contemporary because it was because Nikki was still reigning supreme around that time. Let's not get it twisted. But because Interscope couldn't find a perfectly, you know, buy a perfect box to put her in because she's not just a hip hop artist. She's not just a, you know, a hip hop and rap artist only. She can sing. She does house. She was the one who was rapping and singing on these house beats first. You know what I'm saying? As far as like reintroducing that sonically into the musical stratosphere you know what i'm saying because uh, it's like yo if it wasn't for her i feel like baby tate and a lot of these other girls would not be hopping on the house beats as far as the rap girlies i'm talking about the rap girlies they would not be hopping even though baby tate raps and sings but they wouldn't be hopping on those beats if it wasn't for her you feel what i'm saying like uh, broke with expensive taste is a timeless classic album. And, you know, even though, yes, sometimes, and there are times where I have to, like, go back and forth with some of my friends about this because of how they feel about her, but sometimes I do have to wonder, is this how you guys really feel, or is this that part of that groupthink mob mentality, that the groupthink mob mentality, where they will think peace you to death, but when you hit them back with facts and really break up that whole monotony of the groupthink um, stratosphere, the, uh, the the hyperbolic chamber, if you will, you break it and it's just like, oh, they have nothing to clap back at you with. You feel what I'm saying? Like, I just, man, I just, because I thought about it today and for a, a little bit ago, like how it's like, yo, she deserves so much better. Like she had all of this stuff that they were just throwing at her, handing her over, like all these collaborations, all of this stuff. And then because of, oh, she has a nasty, bad attitude, da-da-da-da. All you motherfuckers have nasty, bad attitudes behind the scenes. The fuck? Everybody has a bad day. Everybody fucks up. Everybody, you know what I'm saying? But it's like, oh, she's the new girl and she ain't really got her foot, her feet wet yet. So it's like, how dare she, how dare she what? Stand up for herself? How dare she stand up for black culture that was, that was and is continuously sold out? primarily by these hip-hop niggas who are revered as these rap gods which none of you niggas are real rap gods and even some of the rap gods yo we gotta pull your pull your um pull your collar pull your chain and be like yo what are you doing because it's so interesting now how certain artists okay fuck it 
like a Busta Rhymes, you know, much respect to Busta, Busta Bust, you know what I'm saying? But it's so interesting now that, yeah, you're supporting the acts like Scarlip and Tierra Whack. You're protecting them. But with Azealia Banks, it's like you essentially used her to do that remix of Partition that ended up having to unfortunately get taken down, which <laughs> is fucked up because even Beyonce liked her too. Beyonce liked her too. And it's not to blame Beyonce or nothing like that. I just, again, I wish Rock Nation, they could have like really stepped in, you know, because originally the song ATM Jam for real came to her with it for her to write it for Beyonce, which when I think about it, sonically in my, one of my homegirls, um, cause she knew how big, big a fan I was at the time and still am of Azalea Banks. It's like, yo, it makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Like that it was a demo, you know, and it was supposed to go to Beyonce and for whatever reason it got, well, shit, not for whatever reason, but because of the controversy, things got um, shifted. And so she just kept the song for herself and released it. And, you know, there's that. She shot two different videos for it, which both of them, the main video that we all know is on YouTube and the other video is on there too. And then there's the licorice video. She shot two versions of that. Like, you know, she, she's she been through so much. Like, hell, even that song Van Vogue originally was supposed to be, was supposed to feature Little Kim, which that would have been fucking dope. Because Little Kim is another another icon for the black queer community. I could have, man, the, but the issue was is that at the time, because they have patched things up, you know, Zillia has apologized to Kim and Kim has, you know, accepted the apology. They've patched things up is that Azealia has said that she wrote the, I believe it was the second verse for Little Kim. And she said some, it was old tweets, you have to really dig them up, where she basically said, oh, everybody knows Little Kim don't write. Because it's been that rumor about how she doesn't write and how niggas write for her ever, you know, from Biggie on down to fucking Mano and all of that shit. You know, from, from Biggie to Diddy to Mano, all these other niggas been writing for her, even though she writes. Kim and Foxy, they push their pens. If a nigga assisted them, that's different because, yeah, when Little Kim first started rapping, she sounded like a nigga. And it was Biggie who was like, yo, sex that shit up more, did it, you know, made her the sex icon, black Barbie, that whole thing, right? But um, so that that unfortunately, you know, cost that cost her that what could have been a dope, iconic-ass feature uh, with Little Kim. And, you know, I mean, shit, I wish now they would do a song. I feel like that would be dope now. You know, I, I feel like certain people, again, should just stand up for her. Like, again, going back to Busta Rhymes, it's like, you know, you had essentially used her, according to her, you had essentially used her for the Partition remix. And then there was another song that you guys had did that because you refused to clear your verse, it can't be officially released. So it's on the Internet, but it's like, damn, you won't clear it for her. Why? Because she wouldn't fuck you. Well, what is it? You know, so she went on a tangent reading him for filth. Um, and then, you know, the whole situation with T.I. where it's like, dude, in, in an alternate universe, you actually signed Azealia Banks and not Iggy. In an alternate universe, you actually are a decent fucking human being. In an alternate universe. Because, I mean, goddamn, bro, you and your wife and the shit that y'all have been accused of, bro, that shit is just horrific. Like, who gets pleasure from allegedly putting their foot in a woman's vagina? Like, what? Like... What type of freak shit are you into? What? Anyway, uh, you know, and then even with RZA, like, you know, she basically said how he was trying to pimp her out to the Hollywood elites and shit like that, which is just like, nigga, what? It's just like all these black men who people revere and hold up as these 
icons and geniuses and this, that, and the third. Like, when it counts, y'all don't really have the black woman's back. But only now are y'all starting to, you know, you have their backs for the time being. But, okay, I'm going to say it like this. When Tierra Wax's debut album drops, will there be a Busta Rhymes feature on there? And if so, are you going to push that as hard and push it to your, you know, your rapidly rap nigga fans? You know what I'm saying? Because do would, you guys do you, do you guys have the same audience? You know what I'm saying? Because she's a she's a lyricist. She's a spitter in her own right. Tierra Whack, I can't fucking wait. I pre-ordered the vinyl off Amazon. I'm going to pre-order the autograph vinyl off of the Interscope site. You know, she's she's yo. Hell, me and my homegirl who uh, we love her music. Uh, we're gonna do a little listening party. You know what I'm saying? Like we're gonna make a whole little weekend day of it. Whatever. Like yo, we are. You know, we're we're dedicated. We're loyal fans, right? But it's like, are you going to push that album? Are you gonna put if there's a feature on there? And even if there's not a feature on there, but you swear up and now you have her back. Are you gonna support her? Because I know you're still rocking with. Scarlet Lip and makes and you know, but it's like she's another one who needs protection as well. You can hear it in her voice in her interviews when she's talking about her story about how she got the scar on her lip and you know, just what she's been through. She is another black girl that was not protected within her community and by and was let down and abused and taken advantage of by that of her family. She needs to be protected at all costs. The girls need to be protected at all costs and not just sold to the highest bidder and, you know, um, fetishized and over-sexualized and, and pushed into these boxes that they don't belong in. They need to be protected. So that's why, like, you know, and, and I'm really passionate about this because it's like when I stand on business when it comes to protecting black women, I stand on business. Ask them niggas how I give it up. Ask them niggas who I fucking argued with and was damn near about to slice across the fucking face how the fuck I give it up. Because the moment you make them feel uncomfortable, the moment you make them feel unsafe, the moment that you harass them sexually, the moment that you make advances that they are turning down again and again, that's when, and I'm aware of it, that's when you gotta come see me. If I don't just flat out come see you. Baby, please, the way I will wrap these niggas up like a Christmas present, again, ask these motherfuckers about Prince Onyx, and they'll tell you. They'll tell you a distorted version, of course, because they don't want to handle the truth, but ask these niggas about me, okay? Ask them about me. Ask them about how I give it up, because I protect black women, okay? Still can hold the ones accountable when they be on some bullshit, and even the ones I protect, and hey, if you step out of line, you look, accountability is a thing, okay? It's not a blind, a blind defense per se it's logical it's fucking logical but it's also just a matter of remembering how history goes black men did not come to the defense of billy holiday black men did not come to the defense of uh, of eartha kitt black men did not come to the defense of nina simone when bessie smith was down bad where were the black men to defend her and and help her when she was down bad my rainy clara smith all of the Alberta Hunter, all of these women, Rosetta Tharp, the godmother of rock and roll. And don't you ever forget it. Let's talk about it. Where are the black men who's really trying to defend Kiki Palmer in the sense of, hey, baby girl, where's that? Where that nigga live at? And we will pull up outside of because I'm sure her family here in the shy. They want to fly out there so fucking bad. But she knows how that'll look for her.
So she has to go through this fucking legal process where the system, again, in the case of like that with the child support and custody and stuff like that, you know, oftentimes the well, shit in, in situations like this, it could go to where he gets what he wants. Right. But in her case, it most likely won't. Thank goodness, because it's like, dude, you're fucking abusive. But where were the men in the industry who wants the fucking footage and the pictures were leaked and we saw that shit and we heard the fucking phone call where her mother was defending her? Where were you niggas? Where were y'all? Where? Where? I'm asking and I'm fucking waiting for an answer. It's like niggas really think this shit is a game. Like Malcolm X taught, told, told us, y'all love to quote him, but do y'all really understand that he was telling us that the most disrespected and, not, and unprotected woman in America is that of the black woman. And yet it's like, here y'all are putting that, oh, protect black women. What the fuck does putting protect black women on a purse gonna do? What does the fuck, what the fuck does that phrase on a t-shirt, on a purse, on a towel, on a blankie, on whatever the fuck, a throw cover, a throw blanket, whatever the fuck, uh, fucking pillowcases, what the fuck is that going to do? Even if it is a black owned company, where's that, is the money all going to the creator, to the distributor, the manufacturer, whatever, is it just going to the business owner, is it going towards helping, you know, Black Girl Tragic, which is a real organization that helps, like, like, is it really, like, is it going into helping the community, those who stand up when no one else wants to fucking do it, because when it comes to protesting and all of this shit, you know what I'm saying, and fight, fight the power and fight the system, it is at who's at the forefront, who is on the front lines is that of black women and the black LGBTQIA. And it sucks because just to pivot and add another nuance point is that there's division even within with uh, when it comes to black women and the black trans women and black gay men, which black gay men, let me say this just to remind y'all niggas. Because a lot of y'all love to say, oh, I'm a man before I'm anything else. Yes. And do you know what that also means is that you, too, are capable of misogyny. You, too, are capable of massage noir. You, too, are capable of putting down a black woman, a woman in general, but a black woman that you still do have advances because you are a man over her. You're still going to probably get paid a few pennies, nickels, dimes, quarters, maybe five dollars more damn near then she will on the job, on the fucking job. You're still, you still have a leg up because of that third leg, even though some, some of you niggas are giving shrimp, but that, that, you know, peripheral or perceived preconceived third leg between your legs because of that, you know, and you factor in some other shit too, you know what I'm saying? Cause yeah, the boss wants to fuck you and her and some crazy coke induced threesome. These motherfuckers are weird weird but beside the point again y'all too can exude behaviors of misogyny and misogyny noir stop being stupid and, and, and dense about it because the way that y'all talk about women at times is fucking ridiculous now i can understand if a woman is trying to come for you and call you everything but a child of god and using all the slurs and all that shit even though y'all was just kikiing a moment ago a moment ago i can understand that but let me tell you this <clears throat> Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. 
If she didn't come for you first and you just saw the need to come at her, that's where you fuck up. Now, again, when these now, this is not for the ones that I protect and the ones that I go up for. This is for these raggedy bitches who are definitely going to be stuck on governmental assistance and government cheese. The cheese so damn fake that the fucking rats won't eat it. The rats, roaches and bear bugs won't even feast off that motherfucker. But for them bitches, yeah, go after them. But the ones who's not coming for y'all, and even if they his thing, if there's a way to, for both parties to stop and educate one another and not, you know, uh, you know, vis have such visceral hatred for each other, which is another tool of division that has been implanted in our minds. If there is a way to combat that, let's find that silver lining. Let's find that and combat this meaningless, stupid yet strategical not a coincidental divide and conquer tactic that is placed in our community to keep us divided and to keep us fighting. Because here y'all are arguing over a nigga who still got skid marks in his fucking boxing, boxers and y'all are both letting him pound y'all down. He's fucking her raw and fucking you raw, bringing diseases to the both of y'all because he's unsure and he doesn't, you know, he's insecure in his in his identity and all of that. He's insecure of himself because of the homophobia that's perpetuated continuously throughout our community. Again, a lot of nuances here. Hope y'all can keep up. But it's just like, you know, it's really fucked up at the end of the day. Right. At the end of the day, it's truly fucked up that we just are at a place where we could really be un unionized <laughs> well yes shit unionized there could be unity true unity but 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 we fall short of that because of all of because we don't want to protect the black women the same women who bring life into this world the same women who birthed us the same women who protect us you know what i'm saying like come the fuck on now we have to do right by black women we have to do right by them Stop abandoning them and throwing them to the wolves because it's more beneficial or so they make you think. Because when it's all said and done and when it all falls down, who the fuck got your back? And then on the flip side of it, for the gay niggas, when for y'all niggas who go who are who want to be proud snow chasers, when it all falls down, who still got your back? Because some of these niggas, some of the girls will still, baby, they will, they will smell your sweaty jockstrap or thong and still allow you to to take up space in their units okay in their place in their in their home while giving them back shots to infinity and beyond they just want love in return you know what i'm saying loyalty but it's like it's crazy how black women and even um some uh, you know black gay men not some but i'll say a uh, little, little good high percentage have race loyalty but black straight men, and there are some black gay men too, who don't have race loyalty in return. That's fucking crazy. That's fucking crazy. You know, and, and you know, because I remember talking in a conversation where I was clearly the smartest motherfucker in the room. Well, one of the smartest ones. I ain't going to do my homie like that. Okay, shout out to you, Ken, because I know you're listening. Um, You know, but like the topic was race loyalty, right? Well, at least for in the context of black gay, the black gay community. And everybody was just basically like, oh, fuck them niggas. Da, 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 da. Okay, yeah, it can be fuck them niggas, but you're still fucking those niggas. Because, oh, right, they're the only ones who want to fuck you. But you really want to go for the Chad and the Bix and the Kevin and the Tad and the and the Ted and, you know, and the Jeffrey. You know, you know, you guys and the John, you know what I'm saying? Like, y'all really want to go for them, right? Okay, well, go for them. Roberto, all of them, go for them. 
Go for them. Go where you're quote unquote celebrated and appreciated when nine times out of ten you're fucking fetishized. But don't come crying back to us and showing us screenshots of being fetishized and called a nigger and a hood rat and all of these other things. Don't come back to us with that and think that we're going to collectively give a fuck about you. No, we won't. Especially if we know that you're going to go right back to that fucking mayo roach. To that to the fucking roach ranch, bitch. If we're if we know that you're going to go right back to the abominable <laughs> the abominable snow leeches. If we know that. If we know that. What makes you think that we are going to stand for it? Like, are y'all slow? Clearly. <laughs> you know? So it's just really fucked up that you niggas just really... It's just really fucked up how y'all don't protect black women. Seriously. And I just wish that Azalea Banks was protected more. Even though, yes, again, she has her ways about her, but God damn it, don't we all? Again, I literally, myself, me, Prince Onyx, I literally apologized on this episode to Nisi Nash. Now, do I think she's ever going to listen to this podcast? Probably fucking not. But again, as my star rises and I get more visibility, bitch, you best believe somebody going to play that one fucking episode before they play this one where I'm dragging her for filth and going off on her because of the whole situation with the fucking Dahmer series, which fuck you, Ryan Murphy, real talk. Fuck you and everybody who really participated in it. Seriously, because what? And then for the black women who were treated, you know, who who dealt with racism on that set, I'd also said in that rant, fuck them too. And it is low-key still fuck y'all too because the reason why I say that is because y'all bitches could have worked on another project. I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry to do it. I know I just went on a whole rant about protect black women. But again, it ain't all of them. But it's because some of them, like these two, they make, they, they, they do dumb shit, okay? And it's like, yeah, I should have grace for them because I get it. The industry is hard, but God fucking damn it. It's like that motherfucker threw y'all a bone and some fucking crumbs off the plate after eating a fucking peanut butter and strawberry, blueberry, raspberry jam, grape jam sandwich in front of y'all. And just y'all just took it, took the crumbs, the scraps, the fucking crust of the bread, the, 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 the bones, whatever y'all just took it. You could have done better because even for y'all to have been to have experienced that, that's fucked up. That's fucked up that you had to experience that. But what it does for me is it absolves it absolves all of this need to protect y'all because it's like, girl, I get it. Rent is due. Bills are due. All of these other things are due. Right. I get that. I get that. However, it's just like we could do better. Damn, my throat talking too damn much y'all but we could do better we could do better we could seriously do better but you know i but whatever but anyway so my point is that damn what was my point jesus christ y'all i just lost my point uh, that i apologized on this episode to her to nisi nash because you know i i as i look back and reflected god damn i was i could have handled that better but see how I caught myself, even though it was in the aftermath. Ooh, damn, I just hit the mic. Even though it was in the aftermath months. But, you know, I say that to say that we just got to do right by our black women. And just, I just wish that Azealia had a better chance. I wish that people would have just protected her more, you know. But, uh, you know, that's just well wishes, right? That's me wishing upon a star. Rose Royce, okay, to find out where you are. But anyway, you guys, uh, that'll be it for now. Like I said, whatever I did not get to in this episode, I will get to in the next one. Probably a start recording, and yeah, probably tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Real hot, real hot nerd shit. But 
thank y'all for tuning in to, <clears throat> I'm so sorry, my voice is like really trying to go out right now. I pray I'm not getting sick because people have been like getting sick around the office <clears throat> in the building. But anyway, <laughs> okay, girl, please. I need my voice. Anyway, thank you guys for tuning in to the Royal Hour podcast with your good guy here, Prince Onyx. Please let me know your thoughts, comments. I love your feedback. Please be sure to comment, you know, five star rating, all that for the podcast, for the show. And we will be back. And I can't wait to hear from you guys and talk to you guys again. But thank you guys for tuning in to this week's episode. And I will talk to y'all soon. Peace out. Hey guys, what's going on? I just wanted to let you guys know before we get on up out of here with your good guy here, Prince Onyx, I just want to let you lovely people know where you can find me. So if you are in the TikTok streets, you can find me at Prince of the Go. That is P-R-I-N-C-E. O-F-T-H-E-G-O. And the go is short for Chicago. Or you can just simply type in Prince Onyx and I will pop up. Now that same name I just gave you, Prince of the Go, you can also find me under that same moniker over at Instagram. You know, trying to keep in tune with the whole Prince royalty background, you know, the brand. (laughs) And you can also find me under my second Instagram, Prince of Gotham with the number one and Gotham like, you know, Gotham City, you know, in case you guys haven't put put two and two together comic book reference and you guys can also find me at fanbase prince onyx and you can also find me on these twitter streets prince onyx world now that after you spell out prince the onyx is o-n-y-x all capitalized and world is spelled w-r-l-d so it's world minus the o and that is all capitalized as well so be sure that you are following me and keeping up up to date with me and staying in touch with me as i want to hear from you lovely people and other than that we will go ahead and get on up out of here so i love you guys lots and let me know your thoughts on this recent episode until we meet again peace oh and how could i forget you can also find me on youtube prince onyx hello come on out i'm definitely trying to keep this brand going and going and going and going not even trying i am keeping this brand going but again i just want you guys to know where you guys can find me all right talk to you later peace <laughs>